Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, where each episode will give you the tools and resources to help your child thrive in school and in life. Please rate and review this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Today's show is going to be a little different. I want to start it with a quote, and it's based on the Child Trends Report from September 2021. As of school year 2017 to 2018, schools suspend Black students 7.8% at rates more than twice as high as white children at 3.8% and Hispanic students at 3.8%. Further, schools suspend children with disabilities at 8.5%, a rate that's twice as high as children without disabilities, which is 4.0%. And I'm starting to show off with this quote as a segue into the conversation. And if you listen to episode three, Kim and I were discussing some situations that I had with my son's social worker. And if you didn't listen, then we're going to rewind and I'm going to catch everybody up. So during COVID, my son's previous social worker was given another position and he was given another social worker. And I was really excited about it at first because it's, you know, a sister. And it's important as we talk about on the show that our children see themselves in the people that they work with. However, some things were niggling me a little bit. She sent me an email stating, well, your son mentioned that you moved. Did you report your address change? I thought that was odd because why are you asking me that? You know, that's not protocol. Protocol is that when I do an address change, I send it to the front office, which I did. So I was kind of unclear on why you feel like you need to check up on me. Then there was a conversation that I overheard her having with my son where we had decided that he needed to participate more. That was one of his goals. And she's on the call with him and she says to him, well, you know, we have a new goal. We would like to see you participate more in class. He says, well, I do participate. She says, well, if you want to get good grades, then we want to see you participate more, ask more questions. He's like, I do ask questions and I participate. When someone asks me a question, I answer. She's like, well, we want you to actively participate more, like raise your hand and ask questions. You know, he's like, well, but I do that. So she says, well, I guess you don't want to have good grades. And I'm kind of like, it's as though you're trying to shame him. You're trying to maneuver this conversation in such a way to get him to do what you want. And he's basically saying, I good, good grades. I do participate. I don't really understand what you're saying. That kind of left a little, little taste, you know, in my mouth. But I didn't say anything. You know, maybe I'm being overly protective. And then I receive his progress reports, which I want to remind everybody that you should be getting progress reports separately from your report cards just based on the goals that you and the team have set for your child. And she marked him at regressed. So initially, when you have a progress report and you have new goals, you will see just introduced, which means they just introduced that particular goal. You will see making progress. You will see something like challenging, still working on it, and regress, which I've never seen until this day. 
So it says regress for the third quarter, which was the first time that we had this goal. On the fourth quarter, it said regressed. In the notes, the dictation stated that I work really hard on creating activities for us to do. And when I asked the student if he wanted to do them, he said, I'm okay. And, you know, there were some other things said, you know, in the line, basically still in alignment. It's kind of like, you know, basically what I'm hearing is that you feel some kind of way, like your feelings are hurt. And I'm kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird, but okay. But all summer long, it kind of disturbed me. And then I called a meeting. So one of the things I advocate for is, you know, at the beginning of the school year, don't wait for the team to have an issue or anything to call a meeting, you know, introduce yourself, your child, and, you know, call a meeting if you have any concerns. It doesn't have to be serious. Sometimes you just really need to deal with your concerns on the front end, especially since we're coming out of COVID. So I called a meeting because when I was looking at my son on virtual with his classmates, I realized that this school might not be a good fit for him. And I spoke to his education coordinator and she's like, well, let's call a meeting. So we call a meeting and then I see the social worker on the call. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to go ahead and address my concerns. So, you know, the school basically says like they realized that they did not have a program that actually dealt with children who were higher, you know, functioning and where kids, they could actually make some academic progress and that they had created this program. And they said, do you have any other concerns? So I said, yes, I do. I just wanted to address the fact that, you know, it was stated on his behavioral goals regressed. And I don't understand how can it just come off regress when there's no introduction and regress from what? So the social worker didn't answer. She didn't answer at all, guys. Like she didn't answer. Okay. The new teacher, and I really mean new teacher. This is his first time dealing with this particular teacher. She attempted to answer my question, which was so funny. She's like, well, you know, regress from the baseline. I was like, I understand what the baseline is. And for everyone who doesn't, you know, that language baseline, it means that when they create goals, they're looking at how they are presently functioning. That is the baseline. And are they moving forward or making progress from that baseline or are they regressing from that baseline? But I'm unclear on how is it that we're just talking about regress from the baseline when you didn't even introduce the skill. So, you know, me and the new teacher, you know, we have this dialogue and I'm just kind of internally laughing. And then the social worker decides that she wants to speak. And what she says is this. Well, I just wanted to point out that he's already had some discipline issues. And I'm like, uh, in my head, I'm like, oh, I see you. So this is what I see. Whenever a school is challenged by a parent or they're in a situation where they want to be proactive, they will hit you in the gut that your child has shown some type of discipline issues. And typically what happens, even if we're not aware of it, you have reaction to that. So, you know, most often you will kind of like back down from the conversation or you'll lean in. It just depends on where you are, you know, who's at the table, how do you feel? So I felt like that was like a strategy that's all that's consistently used. So I was like, okay, I see you. All right. So I just let it go. And then, you know, two weeks into school, I get a call and they state that, you know, my son has been placed on half day in school suspension with the vice principal because, you know, on the playground, he elbowed a child. And I'm like, what? That doesn't sound like him. But I'm like really surprised. 
And when he gets home, I say to Xavier, what happened? He said, we were on a playground and I was chasing after the ball. I did not hear the teacher say not to chase after the ball. Another student was right up on me. And then all of the kids were coming. And he said, you know, I literally spazzed out a little bit and I elbowed the child. Now, when he says this to me, what I hear is like, my son has sensory disorder. That's part of his autism spectrum diagnosis. So what I heard was his senses were overwhelmed. So I'm like, okay, so, you know, okay. So we talked about it and I said, you know, next time Xavier, you know, if you feel that way, you need to just disengage from the whole situation. I was like, you know, once you started to feel overwhelmed, you should have just stopped chasing the ball. So then, you know, I go to pick him up, let's say the two weeks later and they say there was an incident and he hit a fellow student. And I'm like, what? That doesn't sound like him. So, you know, going to the school, the vice principal says that we didn't see him hit the student, but we heard it. They said, this is what happened. They heard the sound and immediately my son started screaming. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And he ran underneath a desk. And I'm going to tell you, my son has not been like that in a long time. When we initially placed him, that's where he was. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is regression. What is really going on? He calmed down and you talked about it. And he said, well, you know, when we were on a playground, everything happens on the playground recess. He's like, on the playground, the student came at me with a shovel. And I said, hold up, wait, man, what you doing? And, (laughs) you know, the other student was like, I'm not going to hit you. But then they move on to get in line. And he's like, all of a sudden they were there up on me. And my fight or flight kicked in and I grabbed them so they wouldn't hit me. He grabbed hard enough where it sounded like a slap. So I'm talking to the principal of lower school and she says, well, I'm very concerned that he thinks that people are after him. So when she says that, I'm kind of thinking like, are you basically trying to say like my son has like a psychosis going on? And I'm like, no, something else is going on for him to react this way. And I'm going to sort it out. So then we have a third incident. And third incident, I get a call from a social worker. And the social worker tells me that Xavier pushed teacher and he bumped a student. And that, you know, I had to come get him, which is fine. I can't get him. You know, you come out to school and the principal's like, oh, he confessed. I'm like, oh, is he a criminal? Like, is is this what's happening? Like, I'm not really feeling, you know, this. And every time they call me, my anxiety is going up. My anxiety is going up. You know, with the second incident, you know, with the shovel, you know, I'm like, oh my God, he needs to be punished. He needs to feel it. Well, why? What is it that I want to feel? And even when I was saying that internally, I was kind of like, ugh, you need to kind of look at that. You know, and after he told me what happened, I was like, his, his sensory is, is really off. And, and I, if I was to punish him, I would be punishing him for something he can't control. And he understood that he was wrong and he was sorry. He was like, immediately, I apologize. So, you know, then we have that third incident that I just talked about. And you're like, he's confessed. I'm like, was he a criminal? You know, they wrote a letter and I asked him specifically, I said, did you put your hands out and push the teacher? He said, no. He said, you know, I got overwhelmed. I was moving out of the room. I bumped a student and he said, you know, like I bumped the teacher. He said, but no one indicated that I did anything wrong for me to apologize for. I said, well, they said that you confess. They said that you said that you did this. And I read the letter to him and he said, I didn't confess. I said, well, what did you say? He said, well, I said, fine. Like we already know what fine means. <laughs> 
fine. I'm over it. Fine. I'm done talking to you. So I'm like, well, why would you say fine when they're telling you that you did a thing? And he's like, well, I understand what she said. So now I'm getting really upset. I'm getting mad. You know, I'm getting mad because I'm like, oh man, like you trying to entrap my son. So what the heck? Like some people be like, that's not entrapment, but that's how I'm receiving this moment, you know? And I tell him, I'm like, look, you know, if somebody puts you in a, a space and they're asking you questions and you don't understand what they're asking you, you tell them I don't understand you. It's like, you never agree. You never agree. And now I'm like, oh man, next day comes and I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I'm scared to send my child to school and I'm like... Oh man, I have four kids. I have two older stepkids that I raised. And I've never had a moment where I was scared to send my child to school. And I'm asking myself, do I feel this way because I have too much information? You know what I'm saying? Like in this space, we know what the statistics are and the numbers are. But first of all, what do you do when you're dealing with autism persons, you know, another black person? You know what I'm saying? Is it a racist situation? You know, how do we perceive it? And I forgot to tell you that after that particular meeting, that initial meeting, when she pointed out my son had discipline problems, I emailed her and I was like, can I get a copy of the discipline reports? I said, because I found it to be interesting that you brought it up, but I haven't received any notices. I didn't receive any letters telling me that there were any incidents and we're a team. So I should know what's happening so I can support my son. That's how I worded it, guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, be like that. So she sends me the incident report and I'm reading it. And I'm like, one of the incidents is like, he told the teacher that they talk too much. I asked him what happened. He said, he said, he told the teacher that she took entirely too much time to explain and they have enough time to play. So as I'm reading it, I'm reading how it's written and I'm getting this feeling like the way it's written doesn't tell the whole idea. One of the other things they said was that he used the F word. And I asked him, I said, anybody ask you what you said? He said, no. So my son has rapid speech and he doesn't say the F word. He says flip. But he says that thing so fast. It does sound like the word. I'm like, man, what you say? And um, for each incident, the way that it was written, it was like literally every little small thing. Because I don't even feel like that's something, the disciplinary action, you know, every little small thing, you're writing it up like you stacking his papers. That's how I'm feeling. And I also received a letter from the social worker saying there was an incident with a student. And straight quote, he seems to be targeting this student. That just sent alarm bells off. You know, the verbiage that's being used right now, I'm not feeling good about. You are using these words in such a way as though he is a criminal or he has a discipline problem. Regardless, once again, I have to just remind everybody, my son is in a special education school. So now I'm like, oh, is this going down? Is this what's happening right now? Is this how it starts when you know what's going on? And I'm like, oh, whoa, wait, 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 wait. So, you know, she wrote me this letter. I wrote her back. And basically I said to her, how can he be targeting a student who's consistently in his space? You know, you're dealing with children. All these children have different diagnoses. So one, he's not targeting a child. The child's always in his space. Two, I'm telling my son to stay away from the child. Even after initial incident, I went to go pick up my son. And the child is all up under my son. My son's like, he's always in my space. So I'm trying to figure out, is this where we're going? At this point, I'm feeling like he's under fire. Like any little thing that he does, you're going to find a reason to write him up as though he is a discipline problem, right? 
And I'm like, oh, this is not about to go down. And like I said, after the third incident, I'm embracing my fear. Okay. And I asked him, I was like, you know, how you feeling, Zave? How you feeling? Like, you know, what you want to do? He said, man, mom, you know, I think I need another day to process. So we both took a day off to process, you know, and that leads me to the conversation of what do you do when you feel or you see that something is happening in a disciplinary world around your child that wasn't happening before. Now, let's be clear. We all know COVID had our kids in isolation you know, depending on your child's diagnosis or what they're dealing with, to go back into a school setting, it is very challenging. It's challenging for everyone. However, what? how do you work? And I have to say that the very first thing that you should be doing is you need to process your feelings. And I had to realize like what was going on. By the time I had get, was angry, I knew I was angry, but it was kind of like, why are you angry? You know, just like that second incident, I was kind of like, ooh, he need to be punished. Where is that coming from? Because as a culture, that is the way that we protect our children. When anyone mentions discipline, because I said that, it is a trigger word for us. When someone mentions discipline, it's so many triggers that happen. You know, indication that you may not be a good parent, indication that your child doesn't have home training, you know what I'm talking about. Indication that your child is in danger. I'm not saying this is something that you may be consciously aware of, but when people say discipline, it's like, oh, what? You know, my kid, bad. No, I'm not, you know. So you want to lock down because that's how we have protected our children for 500 some years. And that's one of the first emotions I had to realize when I was having this conversation about why I felt like he needed to feel it. Feel what? What does he feel? I want him to feel, I wanted to take something away from him. I wanted him to feel bad, right? So then he knows if I don't put on a mask, because that's what you're asking kids to do. If he doesn't act a certain way, put on his mask, then this is going to be your punishment. And for him at this moment, the sensory piece, he's 10 years old, he's overwhelmed. He went from not being around anyone except us and maybe small amount of family to being in this space with all of this noise per se. So I realized that, you know, my instinct to protect my child, you know, ensued that I wanted to punish. Okay. Then I started to realize I was anxious. I was anxious that my child was being targeted with the principal saying they felt as though he thought he reacted as though people were after him. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm feeling the same way. And to the point, you know, his dad told him, he was like, you know, at this point, you are being targeted. You know, I'm like, I'm feeling some kind of way about this conversation. Like, why do we even have to say this to our son? You know, they're looking for a reason. So you really, you know, you're really going to have to be mindful. Like every day I have this conversation with my son. Don't let any part of your body touch anybody. Like not even a brush. Don't let any part of your body touch anyone. You know what I'm saying? If you get overwhelmed, you disengage. Tell people you need a sensory break. Like every day I have to tell my son this. You know, it's like reminiscent of like how when I used to go outside, you know, back when I was raised, my mom would have to tell me, don't talk to strangers. (laughs) get in the house before the lights come on. You know, it's like, what's going on? And every day I tell them, it hurts me a little. And then that last incident, I was angry. But it's important that you process how you feel so that you can figure out how you actually want to frame your concern. Because let's be honest, 
in this world, when we are navigating spaces, we are automatically sometimes not heard. We're not heard because we come off as, oh, you want to be a victim. Let's be real. Oh, you're black. So you want to say this is happening because people are racist. Oh, you want to say this because you're angry. No, that's not the case all the time. What is the case is this, is that we're so caught up in our initial feelings and not processing them that when we do decide we want to address it, it may be perceived that way. So I really had to think about like, how do I want to frame my concerns about this situation? Especially given the fact that it's the sister. I mean, you know, so with that being said, what I did was I really thought about what is the thing that is disturbing me the most. You know, we're going to take his discipline, the situations out. What is it that's disturbing me the most? And what's disturbing me the most is the language that's being utilized and the things that's being written about him. And the fact that my son is coming home telling me he thinks he has anger management issues, which I asked him, why do you think that? Someone's saying something to him. And it's almost like the moment where you see a child that is you know, they're cool, you know, like they don't have really have any issues to the space that you've placed your child in will turn them into that thing. You know, it's like how people treat you. That's how you start to act. So I'm concerned. And I realized that was the thing that was bothering me. And I also realized that when all of this verbiage started to occur and I decided it's a social worker, but I decided to address my concerns around the verbiage and the language that's being utilized in the write-ups, as well as how he's internalizing it. And just like Kim and I discussed, one of the things is unfortunate that as a people, when you advocate for your child, you have to humanize them to get people to see them. You know, just like, you know, her says, you know, her the artist, she says, when you see us, you don't see us. And we have to make our child be seen. So with that being said, for me, it's implicit bias. But as a Black person, she's Black. When you are indoctrinated in different fields, there are spaces that you're socialized into thinking that way. Even though you think that you're not doing a thing, you are doing a thing. That's just like if you listen to my shows, I tell you, like when I started this show, I started to realize how many biases that I have, right? I realized that I'm socialized and my son is like, whoa, mom, like you need to pump your brakes. How are you viewing things? So that's the same thing that you can be said about people who are working in these fields. So that's something that I'm acknowledging, but I'm also acknowledging the fact that, dude, what won't happen is you're not going to criminalize, demonize, and villainize my son. So now that takes me to my third tip. How do you support and how do you deal with these situations? And I have a friend, I have like a couple of friends that are in the cipher. And we talk about how we always want to, you know, go in as a two-person team or one-person team. But there are so many people out here who can do it for you. They're your support. You know, like you don't got you don't have to be like, oh, I have to handle it myself. There are other people. So who can support you? Because you also want to check in with your concerns with other people because that may help you process. That might help you decide how you want to navigate the situation. And I decided to talk to my son's education coordinator about my concerns. And she says, well, you know, I'm hearing you. You know, I told her I had letters from the social worker 
you know, basically straight asking her like for every discipline report that she's not there. Is she writing it up? She says she is. And, you know, the language is my concern. I could have went in all kinds of way, but I decided to focus on the thing that is upsetting me the most because it could take one person to switch the mindset against the individual, period. You know, unfortunately, especially if they are another person of color, you know, it's just like, oh, well, they should know better than anybody. So I decided to, you know, reach out to my education coordinator. You know, a friend of mine, when she had to go to an IEP meeting, she decided to reach out to a nonprofit organization. Sometimes it could be a family member, you know, but really identify who can support you in this world of navigating your children's welfare. Because first of all, you need to release and you need to decompress on what's going on, how are you feeling, how you want to move forward, and who do you want to be involved. You don't have to be by yourself or you and your spouse. Because like my friend indicated today, she said, you know, they went to a meeting and she actually, you know, brought in an advocate. And when it came out the meeting, you know, one of the questions that were posed to her was like, are you saying that you don't want this service? And she says, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I don't want this individual to work with my son. And when they wrote a summary, they stated that she didn't want the service. So she had a witness and that's always important, but really working with someone to figure out how you want to move forward. And it's ironically enough, she's dealing with what she's dealing with and that, and she supported me in identifying that I don't want the social worker on the team. That's the conclusion. And that's what I'm advocating for right now is I don't want her on the team. I don't want her to be writing anything concerning my son. And if there's anything where he needs to have a discussion with anybody, anything he's done, I don't want him speaking to her. I forgot to mention that she is not his direct social worker. She's head of social work. And there's another individual who is his social worker. I thought it was really weird. Like during this whole time, even though I'm aware of that, I've never met her. She wasn't in the meetings. She's not writing anything. Boom. I'm just saying, think about it. I'm just saying. So just to summarize, you know, our steps when you're dealing with this, process your feelings, you know, two, how do you want to frame your concerns? What angle are you going to utilize instead of just coming and saying, you racist, you biased, like really get down to what is it that is disturbing you? Three, identify who can support you, you know? And really look at things from all angles. Like there's more to this story that I'll be talking about later on this season, because like I said, there is more going on with my son and I did do testing, but like, we'll talk about that, you know, another time. So as we know what I'm throwing into the cipher is Wild Wild West by Kumo D. Now, what is so funny is... As far as I'm concerned, there's only one Wild Wild West song, but apparently Will Smith had one too. <laughs> and um, as I mentioned before, I will massacre a lyric. So I'm looking up Wild Wild West lyrics and I'm like, what? I can't be that off. But no, I wasn't, you know, this is not Will Smith's Wild Wild West. This is Kumo D's Wild Wild West. And I chose this song because one, I just like the lyric, you know, when he be like, I used to live downtown, 129th Street, chilling. <laughs> Everything's upbeat. But also because it's like the wild, wild west out here, man. You know, we really just have to, you know, look at things like people are going to come for your child. And that's okay. Like, this is not no downer and, and anything. But... 
like the wild wild west she's gonna be ready and you know and it's so funny i chose this song given the fact that the Harley fall came out and one of my favorite parts is like when the kid is like yeah you know i'm quick with the blam blams so when people are coming you just be quick with the blam blams fam <laughs> so you know uh what i want to say in closing right is if you have time to check out the show notes you know Look at the child trends report to see where your state ranks in the practice of discipline. It was very interesting for me when in regards to like how many of our kids are being referred to law enforcement in the states where it's the highest. And this, you're going to utilize this information not to be like, ah, I got to be freaking out in these streets. People after my kid. No, utilize this information just to know one, you not paranoid, you not crazy. Okay. As well as just being informed. Like this is what the cipher is, throwing in information, resources, and just sharing stories for all of us to grow so that we can be secure in how we move and how we grow. And um letting our kids be kids. You know what I'm saying? Letting our kids be kids. So with that, till next time, fam. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please subscribe and go to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. The Parenting Cypher Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and the executive producer, myself, Jeannie Dawkins. Until next time, remember to be patient with yourself and your child.